This media is brought to you by Polyscope. Why listen to the past when you can listen to the future? Welcome to the Think Future podcast, broadcasting from deep in the heart of Silicon Valley, California. We focus on innovation, startups and the future, not necessarily those and not necessarily in that order. Here's your host. Okay, sounds great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's great to finally meet you because this is how we meet each other nowadays through Zoom. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization and what you're passionate about? Absolutely. Thank you so much uh, for inviting me to this podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure. So um, I'll start off with introducing myself. I'm Kenza and I graduated from the University of California, Berkeley about a year ago. Uh, I studied anthropology. <laughs> Go there. <laughs> we have some uh, rivalry. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, so yeah, so I studied anthropology, but uh, you know, I always had a knack for entrepreneurship and technology, uh, as well as human-centered design, and that's um, really what I'm working um, on these days. Uh, and also, so as an immigrant uh, from Pakistan, you know, it was really important for me to create these inclusive experiences for all communities. Uh, I always had a desire to make a difference and I was involved in many social impact activities. Uh, for instance, I can talk about uh, while at Cal, I started uh, this project uh, on my own, you know, recruited a team of engineers, marketers, finance personnel. It was called Mobility for All. Mm-hmm. And this really came about with the idea um, I took this uh, anthropology class uh, based on disabilities and uh, I volunteered um, with wheelchair basketball uh, students uh, from high school as well as ice hockey um, for disabled folks. And, uh, you know, it, it really brought back, uh, I'm really passionate about sports. Um, I played uh, sports throughout my life in middle school and high school. And I played like throwball, basketball, um, rowing. Uh, privately, I also played like tennis and badminton. And then, yeah, wow. <laughs> a lot of sports. And I was um, my football team captain, but soccer for you all. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, so you're like super healthy, right? Like you, you can run like up mountains and stuff like that and, and not even break a sweat, right? <laughs> I'd hope so. Um, I, I'm really into nature and into like hiking. I really enjoy that. But I well, you're in the right place for hiking. That's for sure. I mean, there's plenty yeah, of great hikes around here. Absolutely. Some of my favorites, the views are lovely here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so then, you know, since sports was my passion, and I thought that sports really teaches some very core important life skills, such as hard work and persistence and, you know, working with a diverse team. Uh, I really wanted to create um, inclusion um, for everyone in sports. And so along with uh, my team, we created these uh, three products. Uh, one of it was uh, 
a scooter, a scooter powered wheelchair um, for a student. Uh, he would really have a hard time, you know, he was just using a regular wheelchair and um, going from class to class, he, he'd just be so drained uh, in his energy that he was he would have a lack of focus. And then there was another student who we created a personalized um, glove. Um, um, and uh, so that he can, you know, play hockey uh, with great uh, energy and fun rather than- Oh, cool. What kind of disability did they have? A that... Cerebral plasi. Uh-huh. So he would, um, he was just wearing, a, you could say like a winter glove. So the puck would hurt his hand again and again while he was playing. Right. So we created this personalized, uh, you know, leather glove for him with uh, good support. Mm-hmm. And that really uh, made his sport much more enjoyable, you know. Nice. Was so, that like, a, is it like a, is it like a goalie's glove with like the big pad on the outside or did you... Uh, yeah, so it was, yeah, inside it had a lot of padding. And uh, from outside, it was like a black leather. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So that so, that yeah. that was supported the when the puck was hitting the hitting him, it would stop. It yeah. would stop it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It, it doesn't hurt him. And last was like creating these personalized name name black cards for the mm-hmm. high school basketball team, uh, and this was a. Uh, the organization who the students are working with were part of the Bay Area Recreation and Sports. And the organization, you know, th- those name, cl- name placards were really just to uh, uh, help the students, you know, feel uh, uh, that they're, you know, they're playing a great sport, helping them feel seen and just being included like all of us. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. So, so uh, did you? You said you created a scooter-based wheelchair. How does that? How did that work? Did you like take the engine out of a scooter, or, or did you create around the scooter? How, how did that work? That sounds interesting. Yeah. So uh, that was uh, a scooter, and then on it we added like wheels. And I wish I could have shown you, but we had. <laughs> I'm also like practicing, and I'm like <laughs> driving it around the roads in Berkeley. <laughs> Nice. Uh, it was it was really great uh, because uh, you know it also helped out because the parents of that child they had to like uh, help him uh, hold him and take him up the stairs so it would be really difficult for them so it created a lot of ease. Mm-hmm. So how did you decide to get into this particular particular field that you're in right now? I mean, everybody who's, who I know who's been in innovation has come from so many different places. How did, how did you decide to go into what you're doing now? Yeah, so uh, then, uh, you know, after I did this uh, project, Mobility for All, I actually participated in uh, this program, which is offered by School Lab, uh, the company that I'm working with. Uh, It was called the Equitable Design Lab. Mm -hmm. And um, over there, you know, the impact that was being created for the people, um, the planet to better my community really inspired me to start my first career at School Lab. And at School Lab, we're really helping the leaders of today collaborate with the leaders of tomorrow to create positive impact. So School Lab is, it's an open innovation studio. Um, We're based in Paris and France for about 17 years. Hmm. And we work around uh, product inclusion, uh, sustainability and design fiction, which is looking into the future. 
I love design fiction. I do it all the time. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, these are some very relevant and, uh, you know, fun, interesting topics that we work at School Lab. And, uh, you know, I was just, uh, some of the examples I'll further get into uh, will really show you how it's related uh, to my um, desire to make a social um, impact um, to all vulnerable communities. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd love to hear about some of the examples and also maybe the process that you go through to to take ideas from inception to, uh, I'm a, do they actually become proof of concepts or do they go out the door or like, maybe I could talk about the process or because uh, examples would be great, whichever one you'd like. Yeah, sure. So uh, I was uh, starting off with, uh, you know, what I'd like to discuss today. So um, there are three um, core aspects I wanted to discuss. Firstly, um, product inclusion, which is correlated with intentional inclusion, and then come comes into play cooperative design. So, you know, what exactly is product inclusion? Uh, it's really based on the understanding that we can't, we cannot build products universally. There is no uh, such thing as one case fits all. Mm -hmm. For instance, uh, I'm an immigrant from Pakistan, right? And my, uh, I just moved here seven years ago, whereas my colleagues or my student, uh, the, my classmates, uh, they've lived their entire lives in the U.S. So I like the way you say just seven years ago. If you ask me, seven years is a long time, especially in the internet world, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, in comparison to, you know, I have colleagues who've, um, who were born and raised here. So. Oh, yeah. 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 For, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so the product that uh, if a company creates it, it would not necessarily fit my need and fit their need as well, right? Oh, absolutely. So, Absolutely. So to follow uh, on the one size does not fit all is where school lab is where we practice the idea of intentional inclusion, um, which is a very like a hyper focused approach on how we are tackling and understanding a challenge. Uh, it's uh, the impact of this intentional inclusion is what really translates into better user experiences. Mm. So uh, yeah, that's uh, I can uh, jump into a few examples for you, uh, which I had been working on um, with our student teams. Uh, but uh, just to uh, make it clear that these uh, these ideas are not gone to market yet, but the these were just ideas that were explored in the classroom environment. Yeah. But before you jump into that, I just wanted to, so do the ideas generate, do they, are they created uh, in by the team, the inclusive team, or are they created outside of the team? And then, then you bring these other team members in to contribute or, or can you tell me a little bit more about yeah. how the process yeah, works? A bit about the program. So uh, like I said, so this equitable design lab, it's a course at Cal. Mm -hmm. um, over a, a semester, and we really pair up corporations with student teams. Mm -hmm. So there's uh, a team of about four to five, uh, four to five students on one challenge, and uh, they're a very diverse group of students from all kinds of majors. So um, the you and you you purposely create diverse teams 
-hmm. for each of the groups. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. based on the challenge, we look at what the challenge is and uh, uh, you know create teams based on that. And can you give an example of what a what a what challenge would be? Yeah, for sure. I I'd love to. So one of the examples uh, that uh, we worked with um, Cisco. And uh, Cisco has this uh, Duo mobile app, which is uh, basically a, a security oh. feature. Oh, yeah. I use it all the time. Okay. <laughs> for, for good or bad. <laughs> yeah, I think all of us use it. So, you know, so at Cal, of course, uh, it was, students used it to log, uh, log into their Cal Central portal, which is a portal which has, you know, uh, very important information for students, including courses, um, grades, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so the challenge here uh, that we were dealing with uh, was how might we make cybersecurity more accessible and inclusive for people living with a disability? Mm -hmm. And uh, our main objective was improving the user experience for the visually impaired. And by the end of it, you know, uh, the solution that was created was uh, a proximity solution that allowed for, you know, improved privacy and safety, uh, you know, more, it was, it, it just made the entire process much more easier for someone um, with a disability and so that they're not, uh, being attacked by any kind of cybersecurity issues. Right. Because right now you basically you're given a code or you're told yeah. to go to this to this thing and there's a push notification or you have to enter a code. How do you make it more inclusive for the disabled folks? Yeah. So uh, you know, for the disabled folks, uh how we made it uh, more um inclusive was that we used this uh proximity solution. Mm -hmm. uh, it allowed for improved privacy and safety. Um, it simplified the device's compatibility. And it just created um, efficiency by saving time mm -hmm. um, for the users. Um, so so they would just come closer to it? Or I mean, I guess yeah, I'm trying to figure just, out how, how that yeah, would work. They would so just the, come close to the device? Yeah, the phone is close to it. And then it, uh, it authenticates the device. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it logs into uh, the laptop. And this really saved, uh, uh, you know, 27 seconds of times were saved. Nine swiping gestures were saved. Uh, one double typing gesture was saved. There was uh, zero use of Siri being involved. Zero use of switching among apps and devices. You know, before they'd have to like... Uh, yeah, open up the app and find yeah. the thing that they're doing, and then get the number and do that tapping and all that stuff. <laughs> and it, how, so, how did you do that? Was did you did you put some kind of sensor on the laptop, or did you use a sensor on the phone, or how did you put those things together? This is uh, I I think I'll have to invite my uh, <laughs> <laughs> giving you the I'm asking for the technical explanation, but no, that's a, that's a great idea. But I mean that yeah. it's almost like have you ever read the book uh, The Best Interface Is No Interface? Um, uh, so he was talking about how our interfaces now are so clunky. Like, for example, if you have a, an interface that unlocks a door, I mean, when you're walking up to a, it opens a door, right? So you walk up to a door and you turn the handle and you walk in, right? But the interfaces that we have now are, okay, let me fire up the app. Let me find the door. Let me hit the code. Blah, blah, blah. So 
it sounds like what you're doing is you're creating that same kind of simplistic interface, which we're all used to because we know exactly how to deal with doors, right? So just walking, coming close to and having a proximity with the thing that you want to log into is is exactly what a regular human being would do so it's kind of like you, you you're you're going back to and it's not just for uh ability issues it's all for just it's all for just a regular human person you know wanting to log in so yes. it's a great solution yes and another example um I, that i'd like to discuss with is with grammarly so i'm sure a lot of you know uh grammarly i use uh, that all the time yeah, yeah, I think all of us use that. But to maybe um, make it clear to the audience, it's a typing assistant, you know, it reviews spelling, grammar, um, punctuation, uh, etc. And so, so something like the challenge Grammarly was facing was around language discrimination and inclusivity. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, uh, how we wanted to identify the language discrimination within a team through data and analytic insights for managers to understand uh, what is the issue. For instance, uh, you know, so at Grammarly, uh, when there are uh, a number of applicants applying, and this could be a case for any company, the language that is being used, it really, uh, keep some uh, some candidates from applying because of the discrimination mm -hmm. that is there so uh, for this uh, uh, you know the student team they came up with the integrated dictionary and database for discriminatory wording and to use more inclusive language so that next time when um, the audience is applying to uh, grammarly uh, it's you know, th there's no language discrimination. And when there's language discrimination, you're losing out on a diverse workforce, right? So are you, are you talking about the, uh, in the job description or in yes, the job, job. post? So, so in the job posting, so it would process the job yeah. posting to make sure that there's no discriminatory language yeah. in the job posting. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. So, you know, addressing this language discrimination is, uh, it's really important because if you want a diverse workforce and your language is discriminatory, then we're you're really losing out on a lot of um, relevant candidates. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so these were um, you know some of the examples uh, that uh, we've been working on. But uh, now I wanted to jump into um, co-design mm -hmm. um, and. Co-design is, you know, like it involves actively. So, okay, if, uh, let's look into this. Actually, let's go a little back. So, for example, there's any corporation, there's a company, right? And they have a, they have a team of designers, um, and those designers may be very diverse, right? Uh, for mm -hmm. instance, there's there's a black woman, there's a South Asian woman, and we'll say, okay, you know. Uh, they can create some diverse products for us. But uh, the case is that uh, their experiences are really very different from the experiences of our users. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where uh, co-design falls into place. Um, we want to really actively involve the stakeholders, the users, the designers, 
in the design process to create solutions that are meeting their needs. Right. So uh, that's something that's uh, very important that we need to understand that when we're creating um, for underrepresented communities and we're uh, historically marginalized communities, and this is uh, just to specify it's not just um, race, but it is it's education, it's um, socioeconomic background, uh, and so much more that we're looking into and talking to these, uh, talking and interviewing these uh, people from within these communities is when we'll be able to create solutions uh, that meet their needs. And uh, yes. So I can understand, I can understand bringing people in sort of like a the target audience for the particular mm -hmm. uh, project that you're working on. But what happens if you if you're doing something that's more for the general public? How do you how do you know who to bring into say an ideation session to make sure that you have the right levels of diversity and inclusion? You're saying if you're creating a general uh, yeah, let's say I was uh, inventing a new app, uh, a new social media app, and mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that it was that it was crossing all the sort of like checking all the boxes on diversity and inclusion. How how would I know who I'd need to bring into the design process to make sure that I've I was covering it? Um. So that's uh, that's what I'm trying to explain. So we're uh, focusing more more on intention inclusion mm -hmm. and really hyper specifying the audience that we're working towards. Okay. So, so you wouldn't you wouldn't go to a more yeah. generic audience. You would no. be targeting a specific. So you have the target audience first, and then you make sure that you have representation from the target audience because a lot of times there's a disconnect between the builders and the the audience that they're building for yes absolutely okay we don't want to look into general audience but intention inclusion is about hyper specificity into a certain community mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so um, so where do you see this going next so it's time like think like think like a futurist it's 10 it's 10 years from now in the year 2033 where do you see this going in 10 years? Like what direction are we moving in? Are things getting better? Are things getting worse? What can we do to, to improve these things? So firstly, I'd say that um, how this really came about, uh, you know, I'd say two years ago, there wasn't much discussion going on about inclusion. Um, it was, you know, the social movements uh, that really raised awareness for companies. Mm -hmm. um, however, there were companies such as Microsoft and Google who had been doing this beforehand. But that space and time two years ago was why companies started thinking about creating diverse experiences in their products and services. So I'd say right now, it's just the beginning of this, right? The beginning of bringing about inclusion. But in the next 10 years, I see that not just product inclusion, but inclusion as a whole uh, would be something that's integrated into our daily lives in, in our education systems, in the government, in companies at large. So with time, this is just the start. 
um you know these are small steps that we're talking we're taking towards um intention and inclusion and with time in the next 10 years uh, you know we'd hope that people really understand uh the concept of intention and inclusion so we also i guess we're talking also a little bit about hyper personalization because right now you've got these applications and you've got these services and you've got these products that are targeted to more of a general audience. But as we know more about the individual and as, as we dig into their backgrounds and their, and everything, and their lived experience, then the applications themselves can, can modify themselves to be more aligned with, with the, the, the user. Would, Would you say that that's an accurate statement? Um, if you can repeat your question, please. Well, I mean, because right now you're you're saying that there's we're excluding mm-hmm. individuals from certain applications, right? This product isn't for you, or this product isn't for you, or there's a discriminatory language or whatever. Yeah. But if the if the application itself could sort of morph into not today, but in the future, morph into something that's specifically targeted to that individual, because if you think about it, when you when you think about individuals, they're, they're um, uh, a combination of different factors. You can't just put someone in a group and say, this person is part of that group. They're also part of this group and this group and this group, and they have, they're multifaceted. And the, the, anything that any product that you develop would have to be super customized to that individual so that it, to make sure that they're included in the way the application is operating. Does that make sense? Like technological advancements coming along and AI and uh, that's uh, uh, that's a tough one, you know. Yeah, of course, in the next 10 years, a lot can happen. They'll uh, this type of a community. Uh, but uh, at the core of it, you know, we still have, uh, like I said, people to people and people to planet. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, we still want to serve our people and make an impact through them, to them directly um, rather than uh, through these apps. Um, so these this customization would occur on, on a one-on-one basis based on the projects that are coming in to your team. Is that right? Uh, to certain communities, mm-hmm. uh, when when you're saying one on one, it's not catered toward like an an individual, but for instance, like the visually impaired or people being discriminated, to really uh, specific audiences, really empathizing with them. Um, so not an individual, but communities at large. Okay, so it'd be it'd be that com- it would be targeted to that specific community and. Is are the projects any specific kind of project, or is it like anything, anything within that space? So, say you were you were doing something for the for the underbanked or something like that. Would that be an example of a community that you'd be working with? Yeah. So, all sorts of community. Like we worked with the, you know, um, a lot of communities. Like another example would be uh, us working with uh, uh, a company called Method, which is. Uh, you know, for shampoos. And- oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm familiar yeah. with them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you know, really uh, 
making it a more gender and racially inclusive packaging for um, skincare products. So it can be anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be tech. It could be, uh, I've, I've been looking into like inclusiveness in the luxury industry, mm. uh, inclusiveness in the hospitality industry. Inclu- if you really look into it, there's inclusiveness that needs to be addressed everywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's very few, there's very, in fact, I don't think there are any industries where it doesn't need to be looked at, right? Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. All right, so if somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Um, The best way to get in touch with me uh, would be LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my name, I'm Kenza, K-E-N-Z-A, Zahidi, Z-A-H-I-D-I. I'd love um, to connect with all of you, have a coffee chat you know, discuss more on inclusion or anything, design fiction, <laughs> um, just whatever uh, is uh, going on. I'd love to learn from you. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. It's been great. Thank you so much, Chris. It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, since we live in the same area, then maybe we can we can meet up and I'll have the coffee with you too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then maybe we can talk about Stanford and Cal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That should be fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll get bring my Stanford shirt. <laughs> and I'll wear my cat. <laughs> Maybe we should meet at a game, huh? Yeah, that's right. That, that would be a good. That would be good. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have right, a one. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye-bye.